intro, you know, get you all gassed up, Sweet. and then we'll get into it. Cool, man. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode. We did not plan to match, but here we are looking <laughs> festive for the season of Valentine's Day. So festive. Um, today's guest is Chad Wolf from Carolina Liar. Howdy, howdy. And I feel like, uh, I feel so... You were on Ari Manis' podcast, yep. but before that, you were on David Dobrik's podcast. Yep. So I feel like now I'm just your sloppy thirds hey, in terms of podcasting. I live on the road. This is like, this is what happens. This, yeah. is, this is the magic of it all. But regardless, I'm very happy. <laughs> sloppy thirds. I haven't heard that term in forever. Sloppy thirds. <laughs> sloppy thirds. It just passed down, passed down. I was like, that's one of those things we back in the old days, like, oh my God, thinking about like that just that terminology was like at some point it just really went out the window it never mattered anymore yeah. it was just like hey this is just a good time for everybody yeah why are we putting any terminology on it that's very true <laughs> i know it's also like who cares what number it is like there's no oh man you can't get this like some old timer like me you can't get clean it'll never happen yeah but i'm so happy to have you on because when Thanks Ari for having told me, me this that, is dope yeah when Ari told me that he, you were coming on his podcast i was like oh my god Oh my God, it brought back so many memories. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I have two older sisters. Okay. They're 31 and I think like 33. Oh, so they were right so, in. That was like yes, their thing the and you pocket. were watching them. Yeah. And so I never had like a childhood. Oh, sure. Because you had an older sister. I had older sisters. Like so I was four like four years or eight years older. Seven and five. Yeah. So I was watching me. what they were watching. I was listening to what they were listening to. Yep. And, uh, and I feel like your story is so cool. And Thanks. it's one of those stories that, like, I'm glad has been reintroduced. Whew, me too. Yeah. Man, I'm very grateful. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to do too much research because I feel like sometimes I do too much research and then I know everything. And then I'm like, well, what's the point of asking a question? Yeah, totally. I already and know this all this stuff. This is the point stuff. of the journey, right? Yes. Because you but, might, like, that's the fun thing is, like, you never know. Like, I've never done these podcasts. This is all new. Like, yeah. This is, it is only the third or fourth podcast that I've done. Who's the ever. one that I'm missing? Uh, I started, I went to the Good Boys podcast. Okay, and they who's were the, that? They were the guys who's part of like the, the Views crew, part of David's like okay. friends and family. And that's how I got into the David Whoa. camp. Because I met uh, Brett and he, we, we met at some Martin Garrix thing years ago. And then we met at another party and yeah. talked. And he's like, wait a second. That's your song. It's like my buddy uses that song all the time in videos. Yeah. I was like, "Who's your friend?" And he's like, "It's this guy. It, it's David Dobrik." And I was yeah. like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Can I meet him, please, and just say thank you?" Yeah. I don't. I don't. Because need... did you know that he was using your music in the videos? No, I That's didn't know crazy. until like 2018 or 2019. That's when I started seeing real numbers start yeah. to change on like YouTube clips, and I had no clue. I had none. And then I started doing the research on it. And was like, oh my God. Yeah. This this guy is literally driving all of these young guys to this music. Yeah. It's got nothing. I have done nothing with promoting that music. Yeah. And I stopped playing it. I got to the point where I was like, I'm just done. Well, because like, that album, your was it your first album? Yeah. It was released in what, 2008? 2008. Yeah. So it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been, it's been a minute. Years. You haven't had to think about that for a long time. <laughs> no, at all. And I also feel like like your music was used so much. And maybe this is just my imagination. But when I was listening to it, I was like, I feel like this was in every TV show, like every CW show. Every CW every, show we can get that like, thing Like the in. OC, like every show, commercials. It's one of those like feel 
good songs that just gets you fucking amped. It's there. It's and there's so much emotion too where it's feel good. <laughs> it's, but if you listen closely, you're like, do I feel good about this? Yeah, it's bringing it's, back. It's really like. It's bringing a, back some, some feelings. Real nostalgia thing. Like yeah. that kind of almost hurt. Somebody said it really good the other day. They're like, it's the, what is it? It's the happiness agony complex. This is how she explained well, it. She's like, because you're so happy, but then you're you're happy for so long. It's kind of like holding a yoga pose. My friend Jill mm. said this, and she's like, you hold a pose so long, and you start to get the shakes, mm-hmm. even though you know you're doing good for yourself, and there's some joy in yeah. it. But there's still like, oh, there's a little bit of pain. There's some pain. Yeah, I'm really grateful for that because it's like I tried to go the super pop route after that record, and that's what I ended up shooting myself in the foot with. Do you think so, though? I think so. Mm. Totally, because it wasn't real. Like, and those songs yeah. were real. They and I guess there is. Did, was, did you go into a more pop route? Because is there this pressure after no, you yeah. have such a success to just kind of follow this structure? You have to go that route. Yeah, because yeah. once the way that the radio was structured, because we were a real radio band, like we got TV licensing, but it was radio yeah. that really did our, like, service us well, because we could go to communities and play and just build a real thing but what happened was once you go from real alternative radio to pop generally pop alternative radio just can't bring you back it just doesn't happen you're not that band anymore and so to try and go back to it it's like no you got to try and write something that works on top 40 but then i guess at the same time it's like when you have such a successful first album it's like i feel like even if you were to do uh, the same style or just like sticking to your roots, it still is very difficult after that. It is because you change. Your whole circumstances yeah. are cha- are different. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why I'm writing another, a whole bunch of new stuff now and went through a whole new process of burning everything down to the ground and rebuilding. And so these new songs are real gritty and like they feel good. Yeah. Because I don't have that stuff to lean on anymore. I don't have the record company budget yeah. and I don't have the gear. It's not like I can go to a real studio and do like the same thing. I feel like that's got to kind of be it's stressful, better. but also it's freeing better. because you're kind of starting from where you started from the first time. Yeah, yeah, so you, you have, have that, that same emotion of like, I need this. I want this. Yeah. Like, it's that same, like it, all of it has come back to being like, that was what that feeling was. And like hearing people say like that song meant something to me. Yeah. And you feel it like, wait, it, it did mean something to me at the time. And then I, you have to kind of forget it because it's like you, you gotta, you gotta do better than that. Or yeah. you gotta, and that you just lose focus and you miss so much of like, wait, that was, that's amazing that it even happened Yeah, <laughs> like to get to be somebody who gets to have a song that that last and people hear it. it's like just some random stranger hears your music and it's like that's a gift you that's all you ever wanted yeah. at one point yeah that was be enough and there's also i'm sure at the time you don't realize it but now looking back at you know that song and that album and just that time of music like you're saying it's so much about radio and you know it's cool to be able to be put in tv because so many more people are exposed to it yeah but now you know, it doesn't like the radio doesn't have as strong have of a hold pool. at all. No, it's and, it's pretty much gone. It's not gone, but it's definitely not the same sense of community because that radio station could be programmed from here. Yeah, and it's got nothing to do with what's happening locally in that city. Yeah, and so many people are just trying to make hit songs for like TikToks. Dude, and that's so weird. All of that, right? Like these little quick, like cool, kind of quirky hit songs. Yeah. 
So does that at all kind of spark something in your brain where you're like, I hope one of these songs can have some sort of like catchiness? No, actually now, since I've learned how to survive without having to have it, like I've been able to like, I didn't think that I could teach. I learned how to like be a teacher. Yeah. Um, And all these other things. And and some, I, I still song wrote or songwriting. But I never really got a lot of placements with other artists and yeah. stuff like that. But I found other means to make a living and still stay in music. Not, not a super glamorous living yeah. that I did have, but I found a way to survive. And now I think because of that, I know I don't need a lot. I can live on bare minimum. Yeah. And then I can write things that actually matter. Like I can write a song about like, you know what? I like just the color of my shoelaces today. And that's, that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like that's the art. Like and to be that free is yes. fantastic. Cause I'm sure. So for people who don't know your story and I feel like I don't know it well enough to try and elaborate, but I was reading your little Spotify uh, mm-hmm. biography, yeah. Yeah, a little blurb. And I felt like I learned a lot from that. <laughs> that's good. Um, Somebody but, wrote that thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it probably wasn't me. <laughs> it's so weird as a comedian. I didn't realize like I have to write my own biographies right? on Isn't so many awful? things. And I'm like, this don't is you feel so terrible painful. With that stuff? Yeah. It's awful. It's like, like this is narcissistic exercise. Total- it's you're like, like Ali's oh. done really well for herself. <laughs> if you don't know about her yet, you're going to. When you were um, in high school, did they make you write your own obituary? Was that like an exercise that everybody had to do? Oh, we did something so dark. We Ooh. did we did that program where it's like the drunk driving program. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one too. Yeah. Yeah, when you acted out in front of the whole school. Yes. Yeah. But only only a few get selected. Yeah, Not yeah, everyone's yeah. a part of it. And I'm right. an attention seeker. So I was trying to be the main person that died. I got in it too. Yes. There we but are. I wasn't popular <laughs> enough to be the main person who died. And I'm yeah. like, come on guys i didn't get to die they took me out on like a uh, trauma yeah skier you're just like an extra yeah i was basically just an extra and then i was i think (laughs) the only person out of that program who ended up getting in a drunk driving accident and i'm like you should have cast me as the main person maybe i would have changed my ways none of you guys have gotten any sort of drunk driving related (laughs) incidents It worked for you guys. Art became life or whatever the (laughs) thing is. But we had to make our own little, uh, what are those called? Like Tombstone? uh, Tombstone. Really? You had to make your own tombstone? And my dad still has it. He sent me a photo on Halloween. He put it in front of the house. I'm like, this is so dark. Wow, that is fantastically dark. How did we get there? Oh, talking about having to write your own bio. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I always go back to like the exercise of having to write my own obituary. And it's like, that's the only way I, when I started in this thing like having to write that stuff was like just put it in that perspective you go a little bit darker Mm. and maybe that way you can be an observer rather than trying to just write about yourself because it's gross oh that's a good way of looking at it It it's very dark but yeah yeah because then you can be real like especially when you got a good sense of humor you got like a good dark vein of humor in there and it's like you can dig in that space. And, and I guess like, that also helps being like, what are what are the most important things that I'm doing? Like, I don't yeah. need this filler of like, she she grew up in Long Beach. No. She went to prom <laughs> with her friend Justice. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, those things don't matter. Like, you mm. can boil it. It helps you really boil the things down that need to be set in stone. Yeah, truly. Literally. literally yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of a neat trick. Have you ever thought about this? I don't understand. There's a lot of things that I don't know. Uh-huh. And I'm happy to admit that. Hey, man, it's the best way to live, right? One of the things that I that baffles me, anytime I drive past a cemetery and mm-hmm. there's so many tombstones next to each other. Right. Where, how are the, are the bodies all just laying on top right next to each other? 
Those are they, close quarters. Yeah, at some point, in some places they are. They actually bury the bodies on top. Oh, Jesus. I've seen that happen yeah. before. Like where I grew up down south, um, certain times a year, if it, we got too much flooding, uh, the bodies would pop up out of the ground. Oh, so the caskets God. would. And sometimes you'd be like, whoa, they, there's was more than one casket yeah. on that stone. Which is illegal. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, because it's a real plot of land. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's probably yeah. why it's so expensive is that you're literally putting down money for, for a piece of land. It's like a second mortgage. Yeah. It's your home, technically. Isn't that just so greedy, though, when you yeah. think about it? Like, I'm dead and I'm buying, I'm yeah. using this land, land is mine. still forever yeah. that serves no purpose other than no people purpose. to come and visit you. And then they're all going to die off and forget you anyway. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm going to go the route to the cremation yeah, right yeah, that's yeah, got to totally. be the way to go that's got to be the right way you turn into they can burn you and turn you into diamonds now yeah that's yeah. kind of fun or plant you be into those tree bling. pod things yeah it puts you in the bottom and a tree sprouts that uses you as the nutrients yeah that just seems natural um right, mr ben so mm-hmm. okay so i was reading the 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 blurb on spotify mm-hmm. and even the way that you got into it is pretty interesting you were like uh, house sitting. You were doing music, oh, yeah. and then you were house sitting, and then you got in touch with uh, uh, Max Martin, yep. who also is so funny. I was like, I googled Max Martin. I'm like, what's it, what's he looking like? What's he up to? Very similar. You guys vibe, look very man. similar. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing was back in the day, like I used to get so much heat for having a beard. Like when this when the project was really taken off, I remember going in. And they're like, Jesus, man, you look so old. Why are you wearing a beard? And it's like because I like I don't like to shave and. And it's funny that he started growing a beard at yeah. some point in time. It was like, you got to, you know, stay clean and quaffed and have the hat. But yeah, his buddy, Alexander Cronin, had a house down here off of Los Palmas and Fountain. And I was moving out of my place. Alex was going to Sweden. And I asked if I could stay. He had an extra little play, like a little guest house in his backyard. And the thing was, it wasn't really, it, it sounds glamorous. Yeah. It wasn't like that part of for like Fountain and Formosa was our Fountain and uh, Las Palmas was yeah. really. I saw. I was telling my son the other day. I was like, I saw one of the craziest street fights in my life out here one afternoon coming home from work, yeah. where the store owner of this little red store that's there he came out swinging on some kids, and one kid came up and punched another guy in the back of his head. Started this whole melee of like a bunch of like high school kids versus a bunch of kids who lived in the neighborhood. It was full on like. Just a <laughs> WWF like fighting. Yeah, I just kept waiting for somebody to pull out a gun, but <laughs> the neighborhood wasn't necessarily the best. But Alex had his place there, and he let me stay, and he had a little recording studio there, and I started working on music. But I already had like a publishing or uh, a record deal with another like indie record label, mm-hmm. but they just weren't really they didn't know what to do with the music that I had, and yeah. so that stuff never took off before then. But with Alex and Max and everybody who was there, there was a band there that kind of would pop through occasionally called Teddy Bears. Mm-hmm. And I love their stuff. They had like this this super cool Swedish, like, like they work with Robin a lot. They're just cool, oh. like the Hives and all these, like my favorite Swedish bands, the Cardigans, all like, I was already into the Swedish culture a little bit. And those dudes were coming through Alex's place. So I got to just kind of be a fly on the wall. And that's really where it came from, like, and my first trip out of the country was because Alex had invited all of us to go meet Martin um, at Four Seasons. He had just finished some season of American Idol. I can't remember which one it was. He was writing songs for the, either the winner or the, the, the guy who came runner-up. Yeah. 
the show was over, the songs were out, and they invited us to go down and just kind of drink the rest of the night away. And we got down there, and Martin, everybody was telling me to go see A Swedish Summer, and I was just didn't have cash to go yeah. and do, like, one of those cool European trips. Because this is all before the album came out. Way before, yeah. yeah. It was still paycheck to paycheck then. And Martin was like, yeah, dude, I'll buy you a ticket. Just come. Just yeah. get over there. And I was like, yeah, that's an L.A. thing for anybody, some rich dude like oh, that, yeah. to say uh, he's going to buy a ticket. And he, sure enough, he gave me a phone number. I called, and the travel agent the next morning was like, yeah, he's expecting you to join everybody. Whoa. For this World Cup, um, like kind of playoff thing, it's like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna hire a chef, and we're gonna like watch World Cup every afternoon, and go like out to the river or out to some lake. And I was like, that sounds real nice, man. That's the best feeling <laughs> is when you haven't made it at all, but you want to, uh -huh. and then all of a sudden you're around these people who are successful, and you get to kind of take a peek at into what that. their lives are. Yeah, and oh. you're just like, this is so cool because there's no pressure on me. No. I don't have to do anything. I just get to show just up show and up. like observe. And they know you and don't have, have it. Yeah, they know you don't have it to like really contribute on the level that they're contributing yeah. on. As long as you just kind of clean up after yourself and stay cool, yeah. just don't drink too much and make an ass out of yourself. I feel like that's so much like what, like anyone who's trying to be in some sort of entertainment or probably any career, it's like, just be a decent person just be decent. and enjoy whatever you're doing. Yeah, that be takes in that you, moment. It'll keep uh, you going. Yeah. It'll keep going. I remember like being there and like my, one of my, the first album I bought when I moved to LA in like 96 was the Cardigans record. Mm -hmm. And the guitar player, Peter, just shows up at Martin's house and it's just like, oh my God, I've been, like this, that was a goal of mine was to work with him. Like there were two guys, there was another guitar player and I wanted to work with Peter. And I was like, if I could ever get to just write and work with those dudes, that would be a dream come true. And then here comes Peter with like, he had just done a Cardigan show in Italy. He's like, ah, I brought all this sausage and some wine and some beans from Italy. I'm going to cook everything. And it was it's epic meal. Like one of those things you're like, this is not my life yeah. right now. This doesn't make any sense. So then after that, is that like, did they end up helping you with the first album? Yeah, they helped immediately. Like what happened was I, on the, the trip, the plane trip to Sweden, I bought a notebook in the airport and I just started writing down some notes, some lyrics. And the first line in that book is I'm coming to terms. I'm starting to learn this ain't all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. And then got back from that trip and my neighbor, another Swedish guy, Tobias Carlson, he started, he was really into Keen at the time. And he had just been on some writing trip in England with some boy band that he was writing for and he was just sick of it. And he was playing these chords at the piano. He's like, can we just, like, let's just write something that's just a song, man. Yeah. And he just started playing. I was like, I know exactly what this is. And I grabbed my notebook and sang it down over that. And we sent that song to Martin. How rare is that? Dude, it's so rare. It's like you see that stuff in movies and it's like, uh, it doesn't help. It's not yeah. how it happens. But yeah, for me, it really was. Yeah. It's like, same thing with Show Me What I'm Looking For. We wrote it and literally it's a 15 minute song. Yeah. It came together just like that. But I feel like that's when the best stuff happens is when you're not overthinking something. It is when you're the natural. More, especially, I, I'm sure you feel this way when you're writing. How many times do you like look at your writing and you're like, that's corny? Yeah. Like, why did I even why think of that? Why did I even think of How it? How does that even work in a... But if you do it naturally, especially if you do it live, those moments when you catch like, it's almost like you're playing jazz. Yeah. When you catch that wave and you're just like, you know, if you just keep pushing yeah. a little further in that direction, it's going to open. 
And yeah. it's an instinct that happens. It's the same with comedy when yeah. you're like doing a show and the, it really depends on the, the audience. The audience timing with you. Like you get a singularity yeah. thing with your audience, right? Because there's moments where you just feel so safe. You're like, I could say anything and it'll work. It'll work. And those are when I come up with the best like tags to jokes or the best lines yeah, because you just natural. feel that freedom and yeah. you're like in that moment you're like I'm a rock star. Yeah, anything that's totally I say what it will is. work because you you've kind of collectively you guys have all formed the same sort of like hive mind consciousness. Yeah, and you're in this space where it's safe and it's open and you've got all these people who are encouraging you to like make us laugh like we yeah. want this from you and yeah. we know that you can deliver what we need right this yeah. moment how does that work though with music because i feel there's parts of me that are envious of music because mm -hmm. i'm like they get to do the same songs that they know work every yeah, single same time gimmicks work. people want it yeah that's what they're looking for where with comedy if i go i go to typically the same city every like nine months to a year or sure. something and they're expecting Probably something new. Yeah, it has to be. I did right? a show this past this. weekend, and the guy in the audience was like, "Why don't you do that one joke that I saw on YouTube?" And I was like, "Do you want that?" I show? like I <laughs> I wish I had known because I would have loved to just go back to that old material yeah, and not had to, do, to like suffer through some new stuff yeah. and try to find the timing on yeah. it. I mean, it's for music. It's a gift to be able to know like this is going to work, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, you get those audiences that are yeah. just. There's this. Yeah. And like they're never, they're and you're like, no, this is the go-to. This, this, this is, is what it. always this is gonna works. Work. Yeah. Some nights it won't. But yeah. I mean, it's kind of, yeah, that's got to be so hard. How often do you have to write? How current do you have to stay? I mean, you have to, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still figuring, I know what the right answer is. Right. The right answer is you got to write every day. Is it? You got to write every day and yeah. whatever. But I just... If I, I'll write, I'll start writing. And then I'm like, this feels like the saddest journal ever. This feels like a suicide <laughs> note really? where I'm just like, dear diary. Um, but sometimes I'll just be inspired. And sometimes the thought will come to me and I'm right. like, or I'm telling a story to someone and there's a funny line in the story. And right. I didn't think it was funny, but someone's laughing. It, so I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to that. But that's got to be hard though, because it's like you're, thing to be on like for me if i don't take a guitar with me then i'm okay yeah i don't have to be like tell me a joke or sing me a song it's yeah. like but it, for you guys that's a different animal altogether i like we were talking about it the other day like the amount of you're dealing in happiness and mm. so like you're so happy and you're high on being happy and then when that's gone that dopamine being away from you comedians yeah. is dangerous Totally. That's why I, there's some comedians who naturally are just always on. They're naturally just always funny. Yeah. That's never been my story. I'm naturally very like pessimistic and serious. Like right. I take everything very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why it's nice when I'm on stage. It's like I get to be this version of myself that I am, but I don't always show in my day-to-day -day life. Yeah, it's probably safer. Yeah, because if you were like that, that all the time, like you would just you don't have enough energy to no. supply that. No. You're gonna become something awful. Yeah. So then, okay. <laughs> no. So then, I want to know what happened. Okay. So you do the first album uh -huh. right away. Is it a hit, or does it take a yeah, little bit of time? Pretty much. I mean, it still took time to like get the touring part of it down to really get the band to turn into a real band. That took about six months. Because those were all those were all the Swedish dudes, so it was like fairly new. Yeah, it was all new. You'd never like toured with those guys before. Never. 
No, yeah. that was all brand new because I had always done, I had other bands and it was always me just putting the bands together. And in this place, it was, I was in Sweden working on the record. So it just made sense. Like, let's just get guys that are local here yeah. and see if we vibe. And it worked. I mean, the, they, they were such good players. Everybody came together pretty fast yeah. in that way. But to really turn, for that music to work live, it had to become a band. Yeah. It wasn't one of those like, because I'm, I'm so bad at like, playing the same performance every night i couldn't do it anyway like yeah. it, just coming from that kind of blues background we were talking about the other day where it's like well i'm gonna make this verse we're gonna hold this thing out now yeah like the audience is not with us right now so keep the kick drum going i forgot the lyrics let me just keep that thing running for a minute yeah we're just gonna- <laughs> yeah like, it'll it's, come back to me. It'll come. And it's teaching a band to think that way. like Yeah, because you all have to kind of be on the same page. And it's almost like I feel like when a band is together long enough, you get like this weird it's, ESP it, it's of like knowing ESP where everyone's at, at. Yeah, they study that with jazz. Like great jazz musicians are like, how does that work? Because there is like real ESP. Like how would you know that everybody's going to go to this like weird diminished or some sort of out of nowhere, everybody's going to go to the one and then rest. Yeah. And somehow they know it's a hive mind or swir- or a swarm mind yeah. type thing and it can happen. Yeah. And maybe like little micro reactions that you see. I don't know. But How long had you been doing music until this album came out and the success of it? That would have been 10 years because I yeah. moved here. I was 20 when I moved to LA and I got my first record deal when I was 30. Yeah. And so I'd been playing coffee shops and just trying to make a living out of it. And I worked for another songwriter. I worked for this writer, Diane Warren, when I first moved out here. That sounds so familiar. She wrote, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. And she wrote like all these great 80s songs, all the Michael Bolton and Celine Dion songs. Uh, What's the other one? Uh, Unbreak My Heart. Oh. I was there for that one. I was there for when she wrote Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Wow. It was my job at the time because we were still using cassette tapes to pitch songs. So she would come out of her writing room and give me the tape of whenever a song was done. I'd have to make the duplicates. Hot off the send, press. Yeah, yeah. Right off the press. Yeah. It's like, here's the new lyrics. Here's the song. Here's the, like, her recording, not yeah. the demo of, like, when she gave it to her producers. Like, here it is. Here's one of the first listens. And then I would send it to the copyright guys and do all the, like, yeah. the paperwork behind it. Yeah. It was cool. That was a really cool gig. Is there the same thing in music where they say, like, oh, don't expect anything for 10 years? Yeah, I guess it's really what it is. It's like a 10,000 hours type yeah. thing. It has to be. Yeah. Is that, and then still, like, you get into it and it's still a new thing. Totally. Like, it's a brand, like, you got to learn to play on a stage with no monitors and you're listening in your ears and you can't feel the audience. Yeah. The rooms get bigger and then the rooms get really small the next night. And, and there's nothing to prepare you for that except for just doing it. That's it. There's right. no way to do it. And you're on ta- you're on camera and you're having to learn how to sing in pitch and key, like for real, all the time. You can't just shop it in because you're just too whiskey drunk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You got to get like really act like with the way that they had us touring with Atlantic. I mean, Atlantic worked that record so hard. It was fun. Now I can look at it, but the time was exhausting. Oh, yeah. I didn't really work out that much. I wasn't really like a health guy, but... It was the only thing that could keep you alive. I know. I just went on tour with St. Vincent. Oh, what? How cool. It was awesome. Dude, she's local, right? Yeah. 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 And 
I've always wanted, I've been obsessed with music and, you know, there's, oh, I think so there's this cool, thing where man. musicians want to be comics, comics want to be sure, musicians. Totally. And, uh, and so before I started doing comedy, I was like, there's one of two roads. I know I want to do entertainment. So it's either yeah. going to be music or comedy. Music seemed really difficult. Mm. I was like, comedy seems easy. It's not, but <laughs> I was like, that'll be the easy route. I'm always looking for a shortcut. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But ever since doing comedy, I'm like, I want to tour like a musician. Because yeah. they just go on a you long stretch going. and you have this big group of people around yeah. you. And with comedy, you it's family. just you back and forth every That's weekend alone. Sad. It's it can so really sad. get sad and dark. So I got to do that and I got to, you know, be you the fly like, on the wall. Were you opening for I her? I was opening, yes. Yeah, so I was doing comedy oh. opening her shows. They used to do that. That was kind of a standard yeah. thing, right? There would yeah. be a comedian and then the band would come yeah. out. Like that was so smart. Yeah. Just to keep that thing in between bands. Like somebody would come out. Because it's also keep... like when you're the opener, when you're the band who's the opener, people don't, they're not there to see you. No, Every not once at all. in a while you'll be like, oh, they're good. But yeah. oftentimes you're like, I don't you want s- any you more. You music. don't even want to be bothered with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it was a fun, it was fun to do. It was different. It was oh, interesting. Man, what a cool artist to go out with. Yeah. What an innovator. But there's so many, you know, in your head, you're like, oh, there's probably going to be so much drugs and craziness. And I'm sure <laughs> when you're beginning, there is, you know, I've heard yeah, the stories, but it can be. when you're, when you're a seasoned pro, uh-huh. everyone's like doing yoga, oh, yeah. you know, they're <laughs> meditating in their bunk and they're all totally. working out during the yeah, day. Trying to stay Meanwhile, sane. Meanwhile, I'm just eating hot Cheetos in my <laughs> tiny little coffin bunk. Like everyone good? Everyone? Everyone, everybody yeah. want to listen to some music, dance yeah. in the front of the bus? Yeah. I'm just like aggressively vaping. Everyone's like, we don't do smoke around here. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay. No, I remember my my uh, ex-wife, because she, she had dated some, like, proper rock people before, but she never really, like, dealt with being out with them. Yeah. And she had in her mind that was just, like, basically women just literally, like, the hottest models throwing themselves yeah. at us all the time. These like, just beautiful, exotic creatures yeah. that would come out of the woodworks. And then she went to one of our, she went to two shows, like some stuff we did on the West Coast here. And and we used to do like meet and greets and like these like VIP things that yeah. they would part as what of this tour package. And she saw us, she's like, what is wrong with you guys? And it's like, oh, we got to go do the meet and greet. And it's like, it's not bad. But she's like, we, we were covering ourselves in antiseptic, putting like <laughs> stuff on our nose and faces and ears and everything, because sometimes people would lick you. Like, that would be like some oh ladies God. would just, like, come out of nowhere oh, and just yeah. lick you. Yeah. And not that it's, it's kind of okay, but you're still, like, dodging kisses from people. Yeah. And it gets gropey. Yeah. And you do it for a, a six or seven months in a row. You're like, okay, it was kind of cool in the beginning. But then it's like, oh, this is, it's a lot. And she finally saw it. She was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like that's, that's real hard work. I was like, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, these, everybody, like we all want to meet and hang out, but yeah, it ain't necessarily like for, at least for rock and roll. I have seen some DJ guys, like some DJ sets where it has been that thing of like, where are all these beautiful people oh, coming yeah. from? Oh my God. DJs have it good. They have it really yeah. good. Like they don't have to play until like midnight. They don't have to set anything up. They're not carrying anything. And yeah. They're just like. They got it good. Yeah. They just show up. Everything's taken care of. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's so yeah. nice. Yeah. Totally pulled the wrong card. And I that. feel like when you're <laughs> like, when you're a musician, not that DJs aren't musicians, but when you're like a performing band traveling, yeah. the people coming out to the, the show, I feel like when you're a DJ, you're going to nightclubs. Everyone's yeah. like dressed all dude, hot yeah. and sexy. But when you're a musician traveling with a band, 
these people who are coming out, they feel such a deep connection to you because the music has gotten them through a divorce, a breakup, death. Like, so there's such a, that reaction, but then it does become invasive at a certain point where you're like, I know that you know me and I appreciate that you know me and that you feel this way, but I don't we know don't you. We know each other yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a good old fashioned licking is yeah. kind of, it's a lot. It's, yeah, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> So then, so then we got to get to the gritty stuff. Oh yeah, like where the whole thing fell apart. Oh yeah. What happened was, toward the second record didn't work. Like it just totally bombed, and out of that, um, I came back home. The band, the guys who were my. Did stay- you have a feeling that that might happen, or was there part of you that was blinded by the Hollywood lights, being like, "Oh, this oh, old"? Totally blinded. completely blinded because everybody behind because we left Atlantic Records Atlantic didn't drop us they were like everybody in the party that worked we were like look they don't like the music that we've made for this record they'll let us leave and still put the record out ourselves and we're like yeah we got all these people that'll be there and we can do this and it's like no we're putting out a pop record like you have to have major label money to do that it costs so much money oh my god when you when you have that moment of success and these people are all hyping you up there's nothing in your eyes I imagine that could go wrong because everyone's like you're the best no yeah you You got got all the support that you could possibly ever need and then when it starts failing they're like no I I don't want to stay out and drink with you I I got other things to do you're like wait what aren't we we're kind of family friends right and they're like well you were at my baby shower and it was like like, oh my God, that's real. Like, oh my, like everybody's totally ducking out. Like, and that's what started happening. Yeah. Everything around the project started like, and rightfully so, there was no survival for anybody yeah. in it, yeah. including myself. Yeah. And I couldn't see it at the time, but everybody was running for the hills or making new things. Mm. So the manager left, the band left. Um, so I had to put a new group of guys together, which came in and carried it, but it wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, so all that started going away and then the gigs started disappearing mm. and those were real good money that started disappearing. My relationship with my wife at the time was falling apart. We just had a new, like a baby. Yeah. So the, the top of putting a baby on top of all of that and everybody departing was just a, a cacophony of failure. Yeah. One thing going bad after another, after another. And then I did get, I thought was going to be a good thing. I got a publishing deal with Warner Chapel, and then I couldn't land songs with other artists. Like, was writing every day to make something happen and none of that stuff connected. And what kind of artists were you trying to work with at that time? Basically anybody. Like yeah. I was just pitching. Like yeah. for anybody that was looking for songs, I wasn't working directly with anybody. I was working more so with some of the other writers. They had to help the other writers develop their writing skills. Yeah. And that's what it turned into. And then wife lost all faith in me being able to be a provider. She like left left yeah. the house, took the kid and had to move in and take care of herself in another way. But she's done well for herself, but that fell apart. And I just couldn't mentally get it together. There was yeah. nothing I could do. Like I started selling carpet for Empire Carpet. Wow. I tried that and it just, it wouldn't work because I needed to be available for my kid to yeah. be able to help for daycare and other things. And so- And I'm sure your songwriting process changes when you start losing everything because then it just reeks of desperation. desperation. Yeah, all your songs are like, all your songs are probably like these falsehoods of like, everything's really good. Drink and party. It's like, no, this is crap. And and it just, it all failed. Like there was nothing that couldn't fail. The car got repossessed, lost my house, 
friends were help. There were people that were trying to help. They yeah. really did. But it was just, I remember going to, I had a storage facility and going into the storage facility, just finding things to sell mm. and staring at all the stuff that was in my house, like what my life was and watching this thing get smaller and smaller. And some days just being in this thing and just being like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. I just, I don't know, but I couldn't leave because my kid, I, I have a family in South Carolina and they would have taken me home anytime. Yeah. But I have my son here. So it was never one of those things where I was like, no, I'm not, he's too young. Well, and I'm sure you, there's still part of you that has this dream that you want to keep to have, going. Yeah. So you're like, I can't go to South Carolina because that means I've I fully given up. Yeah, totally. I quit and then I quit for him. It's like, as I only, the only thing I knew to like keep up kind of what he knew and possibly put a family back together. Yeah is to get back on this bus to try and yeah. rocky this thing out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it just, it didn't happen. We even had like, the crazy thing was in that time, as this has fallen apart, I started this other band called Federal Empire and it started getting some real kind of respect. Yeah. There was the Scooter Braun, like uh, Justin Bieber's yeah. manager. He brought us in Whoa. to his place. But still with all of my like mental problems that were yeah. coming up, even in that, when that thing was starting to catch... It fell apart, mm. like it, and that that band completely just kept falling apart. We kept we got some help from Lindsey Sterling. She took us on the road with her. Lots of good things, and it would just not connect. There was yeah. just some problem somewhere, and it just ended up one day being like, okay, I got a, a Postmates will work. Yeah, I'll do that. That works, and then I'm still free enough to like be with my kid on the weekends, or like if something comes up and I need to go jump on a tour. I can do that. Yeah. That'll work. So I was delivering food and stuff here. And then something happened. I can't remember exactly how or where. I was trying to do some demos of some songs. So I wasn't postmating enough. And in that time, I missed a few payments on my car. And the thing got repossessed when I was staying at some hotel because the hotel sold the manifest of the, the license plates every night. Yeah. And they yanked my car out and towards Ventura somewhere. And at that time, was like, okay— what am I going to do? I've got 500 bucks to my name. And so I went and got got an Uber and I went straight to Hertz and rented another car, started started postmating immediately, yeah. just hustling everything. What year is this? That was 2016, I think, if okay. I remember right. Yeah, so it was just That's six years ago. That's not that long ago, ago. No, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not in any way, shape, or form and just kept like hustling this thing out until eventually – I got my job over at the School of Rock yeah. over in Burbank. Yeah. And that was just one thing that was stable because they've been really good about like, you can come in and if you got to take a tour, there's plenty of other teachers who need the work. And it's yeah. it's all, everybody's like teaching and going on the road and then you come back and teach and you pick up and it's all kind of the same methodology of teaching. So everybody can pick up everybody's uh, kind of the scale level where everybody's teaching. And if all the teachers there are, you know, musicians, they get it. They get it. Everyone Everybody wants gets to it. be doing something. So if they're not, you know, yeah, they're it, happy to help. They're happy to help. Everybody will carry it. Everybody can play the parts that are there for the kids. And it and it just that little bit of stability changed everything. And after that came in, I got a another deal, a quick deal with uh, Sumerian Records, like okay. a metal label yeah. for Federal Empire. And they started working that. And then like two years after that deal started, we were, um, we were, we did some shows with Cage the Elephant, Angels and Airways, like some real proper cool rock shows. Yeah. And then fucking COVID came yeah. and totally dipped out on that one. So it was like that, 
whatever that was, all these like stuff around that was just one chaos after another. But then on the other side, there's David, yeah. who's got this massive audience of people who the song just kept going through. Because I wasn't getting real like ASCAP money anymore. And then I started seeing the money like it. Because like, you get when David uses your song in videos, is there like royalties? Yeah, for that? I get some sound exchange. There's sound exchange that, that collects on that. And there's some ASCAP money. And then it's just kind of the other things that kind of bounce off of that other clips on YouTube or other TV shows. Well, and he's so popular that people see that in his videos and they go, my videos will be very popular if I use this exactly, song. Exactly. Because he's taught everybody how to use yeah. the emotion in the song. Yeah. Like he like gave that song a purpose of like, yeah, it's yeah. like the perfect energy montage song. It is, it's, it's, yeah. it's totally cool. Like, Jesus, there's 14,000 people who have made a video of that thing, or at least on TikTok. Yeah. And of that 14,000, there's like some of those things have millions and millions of yeah. plays. It's, it's astronomical the amount yeah. of plays that song has gotten because of him. I asked when Ari said that you were going on his podcast, he was like, should I ask him anything? And I don't know if he asked you this question, but I was dying to know uh-huh. when you when you seemingly like lost it all. Uh-huh. When you're like at this, mm-hmm. you know, place where you're like, well, fuck, it's yeah, all this is it ended. <laughs> it's it's is, definitely was over. Was there something a little bit freeing about that? Yeah, there is some there is some cathartic kind of like. A breath yeah. in there, you know, there, there is. Because you have to work so hard in order to make your dream happen. And you had that happen, yeah. you know, you got to do the touring. You had a very successful album. Like all of this stuff is great. Yeah. But then with that, because like with comedy for me, I'm just at the beginning of my career. And even with all these cool things that come my way, it's stressful. Oh, like dude, it's, it's scary and it's so much stressful. more work than you would think. You're like, no, I'm just funny and that's this is it. This is natural and it's easy. It but there's just... so much that when I heard your story, I was like, oh, there's, he he got out of it. You know, there's yeah. got to be some relief. Was, You're like, I don't have to do a fucking dude, thing. There was great. You know, it's like just being able to know that there's teaching there. And yeah. like, this is nice. Like, there's kids coming by. There's people that I can help, like, put together a goal that they've always yeah. wanted to have. Like, just to be able to sing at like a karaoke thing. They didn't yeah. have the, the nerve to do it before. Yeah. And that was great. Like, it's been like, yeah. It's, the only problem with it is it's just it's L.A., so you don't have quite enough money to live. Like, if it were, like, a smaller place, yeah. it probably that's the only thing that's, like, that's honestly the only thing that was missing yeah. out of that. The the solace of that just was just, Just the stress like, of surviving. Surviving L.A., yeah. just the, the price to be here. Yeah. But, man, whenever my son gets old enough and I can dip out of town and just teach— and occasionally do a show, dude. It's a gift. Like, well, because that's also the thing yeah. you you get to reevaluate what's really important. Like you got all the cool things, you got the cash and prizes, yep. and then you know, then you got to kind of be like, well, what's really important to me? What do I actually want to yeah, do? Yeah, what does it matter? Like, and God, the video, the David Dobrik fucking clip. Uh-huh. I was. He showed it to me. He's like, you got to watch it. I'm like, <gasps> just sobbing. I'm like, this is so beautiful. It was so hard. Whenever that thing hit, like it. Was and I'm really I try my best not to be too emotional like I always like hold everything back and then it was like Uh, the life of an artist oh my god and then it just hit me like a way I literally there's so much footage that they had to pull away from because I was just (laughs) (laughs) it's like why I had no and I have to show you guys a clip of what my kids was what they were doing this Saturday and like literally it was like uh, once that little van pulled up and like it got settled in and all the kids showed up they all went running across the beach. 
and they're all running into this van. They basically had a rave oh inside that VW van. <laughs> they were just jamming so yeah. hard. It was amazing. And that, and even with that, like I, I sent that clip back to the, all the guys through David's camp. Like, look, dude, you're that one moment, like you taking that time, like it's changed all of these kids' life. That that ripple effect yeah. is so big. Yeah. What you've done, like to do, like just casually using song like that. When somebody has that kind of influence over society and chooses to do good rather than be so, I mean, there's going to be a point where there is self-serving in there, but on the other side, just to do Five percent of good things totally. on that level is enormous for people. There's this guy who makes TikTok videos, and you know, David, with any great amount of following comes great amount of you know yes. feedback and criticism and whatever. Yeah. There's this guy on TikTok. I'm obsessed with him, and it's like he makes these videos where he like talks to homeless people or just anyone. He'll be at Walmart and the first person to do something nice for him, he gives them like 500 or $1,000 or something like that. And you know, I'll show my boyfriend. I'm like, look at how sweet this is. And he's like, why is he filming it? You know, whatever. And I'm like, because you don't know who that video is going to inspire. Yeah. You don't get it. Sure. There's part of it where you're like, that's kind of gross. And you're putting these people on blast and whatever. But Mm -hmm. I watch that and I'm like, Oh, I could do you could like, do that. I don't have five hundred dollars to just throw at someone, but like just a small act of kindness. Just kindness for buying a cup of coffee. Especially nowadays, I feel like you know, there's it's so easy to feed into like the negativity of everything, and I feel like this is so cliche, and everyone's talking about it. But like, uh, I have a I have a cute story from this past weekend uh-huh. that I'd like to share. So there's you know. All this negativity, I feel like, especially with COVID, everyone's sure. become so isolated this and it's so easy to look half, at doom like, and gloom. Yeah. Yeah. And so my aunt, she passed away two years ago. Mm. And she's one of those people who's like so friendly, so nice, like loves everyone, loves everything. Like you right. wouldn't catch her saying anything negative. Just right. the best person. And so my sister had this idea. She was like, oh, it would have been Maureen's 64th birthday on the 11th. Wow, so my young. sister, yeah. Wow. So my sister was like, because Maureen was so generous and kind, like, I'm going to give, you know, a, an amount of people, I think it was like 64 people, $20. All right. Which is a lot of money. I did yeah. the math. I was like, how much that's, of this could go to my rent? Yeah, I was a little bit. I was like, okay, <laughs> chill right. out. Fucking Jesus. Elon money Musk. Yeah. Like, did the War math. Box. I'm like, you Venmo requested me for the Verizon bill, but you're just giving these. You're just going to give this one out? But the point of it was like, she mailed $20 to 64 people, which does come out to 1280 Yeah, that's um, real cash, man. And she put a note. She was like, it would have been Maureen's 64th birthday. I want you to spend this money on doing some sort of act of kindness and hopefully it like starts to change. And so I was on the road. I was in Corpus Christi. I had $20 in my pocket and I was on my way to get my nails done because Uh my Aunt Maureen, she would always take me to get my nails done. So I'm like, maybe something will just kind of either the person doing my nails, I'll be able to give them like this $20 tip. Sure. Or there's someone at the nail salon. Something else will show up. Yeah. Yeah, The universe is going to give you something. Yeah, it always does. And so I order the Uber. I'm on the way over. And the Uber driver, she's this woman. She's like, take my number. You know, if you're in town and you want me to pick you up, like, I'll just give you a ride. It's safer or whatever. So I'm like, okay, we're going to get, I'm like, I'm going to get my nails done. She's like, yeah, I've been trying to save money. So I haven't got my nails done in a while. And I'm like, here it is. Here's the story. So we pull up to the nail salon. And first of all, she's also like saying all this crazy. She lives in 
Texas. You know, right. she has Texas beliefs. She's a oh, yeah. she's a she's southern a proper, woman through and through. Texan. And I'm like, she, you know, she's talking about Russia and Biden and Trump How, and all this stuff. Right. And I'm like, I don't care. No. I don't care what she believes in. No, no, in. it doesn't matter. She's a sweet person giving me a ride. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's also the crazy thing about now is like if someone has any sort of other belief, you're like, why would you I help that person? No, you can't do that because you can't. If you do that, you 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 stifle the conversation that could stimulate that one piece of change yeah. that could or be a ripple effect. Totally. And that, that missing conversation yeah. is, that's a lost chance to make things better. Yeah. So we got our nails done. And Dude, after we got our nails cool. done, she took me out to lunch. She was like, I got to take you to this place. So we yeah. got lunch and whatever. And then my sister was telling me about her story and this woman that she had helped. She didn't even end up spending the $20 on her because she had really? already used it on something else. But she she felt like the way that she used her 20 wasn't like... She was like, it didn't feel like... Didn't have that significance on yeah. it. Yeah. And so she's leaving... Um, the nail salon, we both did nail salon related That's things. That's cool. As she's leaving the nail salon, this woman's walking up to her and she's like, I locked myself out of my car. Oh, Jesus. And my sister's like, just kind of standing with her. Yeah. Like my sister has nothing to really help her with. She's right. like, do you have AAA? Like I'll wait with you. Yeah, whatever, whatever you need. She just offered her time essentially yeah. and a listening That's, ear. Uh-huh. And the lady texted her later that day mm-hmm. being like, I was in such a dark place. You know, oh, I've been shit. contemplating like being alive. What? And just like you being there with Whoa, me doing that, like man. restored my faith. Ooh, I know. What? I'm such a sucker oh. for things like that. But it's, a, you know, like innately people are kind. Yeah. Like in the universe, I think, I, of course, there is like the matter of survival, which is, is can be ugly. But I think if there's a choice, everybody's going to choose kindness. Yeah. Unless you're just like some just narcissist that has to be here for the balance of it all. Totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But ultimately, I think that's – and if we can just – it's such hippie talk, but if you can get to that side, if you could flip that pendulum, yeah, so much good could be done. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of my rule for doing the shows and stuff now. Like anytime we go anywhere, as we're booking things for Carolina Liar, it's like whatever we do, we got to go in each community – and do something like I can teach kids. Oh, I love that. I can do like whatever. There's like people can reach out to us directly mm-hmm. and we're just going in and like, yeah, we'll do a show, but I don't need that much. Yeah. So we just need enough to be able yeah, to. Yeah, you're like, it. trust me. Yeah. I've I've gotten, we're you know, good. through the past few years with <laughs> yeah. very little. Don't need it. It's yeah. going to be okay. I mean, if we can do it instead of doing the same old like. We're coming to town. We're just going to take the money and then get out. Yeah. Buy all of our T-shirts, please. Support us. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to give you two hours. It's like, no, you you, you got to do better. Yeah. Because like, it just, of all the lucky breaks that I've had and like somebody giving me a car like that. Yeah. Like, dude, come on. That's not real. Like, mm-hmm. I've gotten record deals. I've gotten all of these things that I really didn't feel like I ever deserved. Mm-hmm. And. And I don't think I've, I I honestly feel like I've never given enough back. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, if this is the next part of this adventure, it has to be that. Well, and I feel like with performing and entertainment, so much of it is so self-fulfilling. Oh, dude. And it's all about you. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning, that feels good. You finally feel seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard. People love you. You feel safe. But then, you know, as you do it more and more, that feeling doesn't feel as good. Mm -mm. 
And so I think that's such a great way of looking at it is like if you're doing those shows, you get something out of it, but then you're able to give something back. back. So whether it works or it doesn't work, doesn't you still matter. are yeah. like, oh, I got to have an experience. You're having an experience. You're doing something that has more purpose because you know that feeling too. Like when you're dealing with your your trade, like I think humans innately need to do things that they leave little landmarks or something yeah. where you can see physical proof of your work. But we all work in these non-existent yeah. things. Like comedy is, there's no, it's not tangible. Yeah, it's, it's not, not an essential job I found out <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> I'm get, not essential. They didn't give you the gig the gig workers thing? No. Damn. I mean, I think there was some whatever here and there, yeah. but yeah. Oh man, that's not fair. Well, and you can like talk, you can trick yourself into being like, well, I gave them laughs. Yeah. I gave them laughs. They, I gave them joy they had for a it. moment. They, had it, they held it inside, but you yeah. can't physically put it in a book or yeah. you know any of that stuff. So I think being able to go somewhere and see some work, some physical work, yeah. maybe maybe it's getting out and just like building something. Like yeah. building a, <laughs> sounds so stupid, but building a playground or building the sidewalk or yeah. fixing a fence yeah. even. Just that alone is like just cleaning up a place. Totally. Just you got to do the work. Yeah. Um, I think that has to, for me, that has to be the new thing is I'll go crazy again. I know the next time around, like, I mean, I, same here. I had a plan, like this thing isn't working out. It's like, what's the easiest way for me to get rid of myself so my family and mm -hmm. nobody has to like deal with whatever's left over? Like, and I was like, okay, how do I, how do I manage that? And yeah. that's a real, it's a proper evil thing that you got to fight off. Totally. And it's like, man, why am I like, what is that voice? Like, I don't want to hear that thing. But you do, and somehow, I don't know how you, you survive it, but it's definitely there. Mental illness is a real thing. And I think, you know, we were talking about the homelessness thing, like what could we do joking? But honestly, if all the money we have in this country, if we could just spend a little bit for free mental health care, just like stop, like allow college kids who are studying this in school to like, okay, you're, you're going to have to work for free. And this is where you're going to get some like learning how to deal with your patients. Yeah. You've got to go volunteer down here and- yeah, you're just going to spend an hour. This yeah. is it. These are the hours you have to do. And then we'll compensate you with credits at your school, especially if it's a local, if it's a, you know, state-funded school. It doesn't seem too complicated. Yeah, because I feel like I realize, like, especially with my sister having that experience with that woman, it's mm -hmm. like so many people just want to be seen. They want to yeah. be heard, you know? And so it's like these small little acts of, like— just kindness. kindness. And I feel like it's so corny. It does sound corny. I and mean, we like those, that's really good material to make fun of. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's be like, right. just be kind. It's like, shut up. Yeah. You're disgusting. But it's true. Yeah. Because it really especially now it's so easy to just like see just someone and just be on your phone. Uh -huh. There's no need to say something. No, and you don't have to interact at it's all. It's uncomfortable to have to make eye contact with someone and uh -huh. say something. I went to a Super Bowl party yesterday and there were new people and I didn't want to talk to any of right. them. Yeah. But I'm like, I can just say hi and make eye contact. And if they want to talk, the opportunity And will... as soon as that's locked out, then it's like the fun starts to happen. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, interaction is cool. Yeah. It helps. Yeah, and it, and it validates your place on this earth yeah. by just, even with a stranger, making eye contact, talking to them. You're like, oh, I'm... I Part exist. Of this thing. Yeah. yeah, this existence is yeah. real. I used to, I, there was one time I was in downtown LA and I was fiending for a cigarette so bad. Uh, and I didn't have one. And I see this homeless man on the street and he's smoking. And yeah. I'm like, hey, do you happen to have a cigarette by chance? Right. And I told my friend, and they're like, you would take something? 
from a homeless person. I'm like, when's the last time you had a conversation with was someone homeless, who was homeless? homeless? Yeah, exactly. Because I smoked that cigarette with him and we were, we're having, having a good, a good time. time. Yeah. yeah, and he probably uh-huh. felt good. I mean, I don't want to project and assume how he felt, but I, I yeah, imagine- but it was like a, a no moment of talking. normality. Yeah. It's like that thing of feeling yes. normal for a minute can be everything. Yeah. It really can. Yeah. I've, I've gotten some, man, being in Hollywood, I've had so many fantastic moments with probably certifiably- you know, maybe crazy-ish oh, yeah. people. I remember one time... We don't have a shortage of them. Oh, man. There's some real classic characters yeah. out here. But I've learned so much from people like that. And then one one was really almost frightening how well she knew me. Like, this lady came up, and she seemed like this elderly lady that I kind of knew somewhere from at some point in time. And she was like, oh, yeah, when you grew up in Charleston, it was this. And I was like... Yeah, of course. When I grew up in Charleston, she started singing the song from some grocery store chain down there. I was like, yeah, yeah, you you knew it. And then she starts talking about chanting. And she gives me this um, card that's got uh, Nam Renge Chow, like the the Buddhist chant. Um, And it's on a piece of paper. And then I look down and she's she's not wearing any shoes. Her pants, she's fully full homeless person. Yeah. And then she's kind of like all wirely and weird. But in that moment, she was totally not yeah. that. Like we had something and she communicated on a level that was very transparent and connected to me. And it was like, okay, this is some real David Lynchy kind of thing yeah. right this moment, but I'll roll with it. Have you seen the goat man in Hollywood? No, who's the goat the man? The guy with the goat? No. Yeah, Where is so he? we were we were Where talking before the podcast started. Oh yeah, he's everywhere. That's cool. But we were talking before the podcast started. My boyfriend used to busk on Hollywood Boulevard, and, and you see just, the goat man. Well, no. So we we were doing laundry at a laundromat, <laughs> and right? it's like late at night. It's like eleven p.m. And all of a sudden, outside, there's a large goat. Very large, like the biggest goat I've ever seen in my life. And this guy, uh, we go outside, I have to see the goat, and we're talking to this guy, and he just goes around Hollywood with the goat and whatever. And Does he clean land up for people? No, he's like just a crust punk with a goat. Wow. Yeah. yeah, they just kick it and get drunk. Dude. But it was so funny because I saw this look in my boyfriend's eyes of like <laughs> longing. He was like, oh, <laughs> that looks so like just being on the street, which is why I was like, there must be some sort of, you know, freedom in oh, losing it. And It's free knowing that you only have so much. Like, yeah, this is all it is. Yeah. This is okay. And, and then whenever some money comes through, it's like, oh, I can really appreciate this yeah. again. Like, this is going to help. Yeah. I can make this last and, like, just look at things in such a different way. But that thing of the, – the scary thing about it is, like, once you've tasted that kind of freedom, mm-hmm. it's real hard to come back and, and to kind of, the... like – Yeah, and to take people serious. It's like you're selling a – this is a bullshit plan that you got going mm-hmm. over there. I'll be fine without it. You don't – like, your attitude is bad. Yeah. I don't need to deal with you. I'll be fine. And that necessarily may not be the best thing, (laughs) you know? Yeah, because you just like you need to somewhat acclimate to society. But then there's a part where you're just like, yeah, I could I could live without all of this. Yeah. Easy. Do you have anything coming up now or have you gotten busy? We're going to re-release a a, release a new version of Show Me What I'm Looking For. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we got like permission from Atlantic. They're going to help us out. Like um, we get to own the master of the thing. So we're doing that. 
That makes me so happy. Me too, man. I can't wait for it. We just like, I think today we get the deal memo from the people who are going to help us distribute it. Wow. And we're going to go out and probably, I got some shows coming up. One friend is another crazy adventure story. She is bringing us all to Hawaii and we're going to play for her son's graduation. And then we're going to do like a beach cleanup over there. And yeah, so we're really like, this thing is starting to take, go into gear in the right way. Like. It's coming. Yeah. I can that's see so it. That's so great. Like, we're just going to will it into being existence. That's that's it. It's like, this is what we're going to do. Is Instagram the best place for people to keep up and Yeah, follow? Instagram and TikTok. The TikTok thing is actually working. I'm surprised with I'll that. I'll make a dude. dance. I'll make a dance to your yeah, song. Yeah, dude. Go, I'll get I'll some new viral. Show me what I'm looking for. <laughs> the EDM remix. <laughs> yeah, That'll be sick. Dude, we need, we had one. I can't remember who the gentleman was that did the mix, but that was, you know, the, that the, the those sounds have changed. Yeah. So we definitely need a remix yeah. for sure. You remix? No. No. I have zero EDM. Yeah, it's a real thing, isn't it's it? Not, it's hard. I don't have the brain for it. That side chaining and all this yeah. stuff, like it's the like, the yeah, because it's a lot of processing to get cool. that thing that loud. I thought it was lame until I tried doing it. <laughs> I do. I like, this, is this is dumb. Yeah, they're geniuses at it. They have a real skill set. You know, it's not top. You have to do that. Yeah, it. You got to create your own thing. Well, they use computers as an instrument. That's that's the magic. Like, and it's funny because that's what everyone shits on them for. They're like, they just bring their laptops. Up no, there that's their. Like, yeah, yeah, but that's. Yeah. No, they're using that thing like a guitar. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, they're like playing chords and stuff. Like, you know? like, the guitar's easy. Yeah. If you learn the chords, you can make something happen. You're good. A computer? No, no, you got different elements. It's incredible. I mean, the kids. My son. He's like editing stuff and making movies and making his own music and beats Aww. just with like the touch pads on and, and it sounds great. It's like, dude, how'd you how'd you come up with that? That's really good. I'm jealous. It's not fair. Yeah. Like <laughs> you jerk. We gotta wrap this up, but what? I have one last question. Yes, ma'am. So how old's your son? Ten. Okay, so did the David Dobrik thing give him so much street cred? He's got some cred now. Oh, yeah. Like he was laughing so hard Saturday night. We came back from the beach. He's like, Dad, that that was really cool, man. <laughs> like, that that might make things a little different for me at school because yeah. everybody was in the van just, like, dancing with us. And now he like, has to deal with the fame. Yeah, The totally. fame at school. All the David Dobrik clout. <laughs> yeah, You're going right. to have to teach him. You're going to have to say, hey, man. You're just going to have to back it off. Wear some yeah. sunglasses and just keep your hood up. Yeah. Nobody will bother you. Thank you so much for dude, coming on the for podcast, me, dude. This was I've been, rad, I was Allie. binge I was binge listening to your music. You can ask Mo. I keep being like Alexa, play Carolina Liar. Show me what I'm looking for. <laughs> Full volume. Oh, um, no, I'm sorry. And then it was so funny because when I saw you on the street, I had to like quickly turn the radio <laughs> down because I was like, I don't want to get caught listening to your music. Oh, isn't that right the before. worst? I remember being like going into somebody's session, like a writing session with somebody I wanted to work with. And I was listening to their music, and it was, and they saw me, and I was really kind of feeling it. Yeah. I was like, "Oh shit!" I just totally lost my cool. Yeah. I got no currency going yeah. into this thing at all. Um, thanks so much for coming <laughs> thanks, on. Allie, this What's was your rad. Instagram handle? Uh, the Carolina Liar. Great. Follow them. Yeah, please try. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of weird content on there. I don't know what I'm doing. I know. It's, just do what you're doing. Yeah. Too many people are like, they'll ask me because I'm younger. They're like, what's the formula? And I'm like, there's no, <laughs> just be yourself. There's no, what are you talking about? No. It's like, how do you run analytics on those things? Yeah. Like you, you don't. That's yeah. what makes it so cool is like, it's finally something that's out of the hands of all these corporate people yeah. who are like, no, we're just going to treat it with money. It's like money is not going to make this thing not work. Not always. Uh-uh. No, it's fine. All right, that's it. That's the episode. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me, it. dude. Oh, my friends, it's big, I'm dead.